You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. So what do you think of trailers before movies? Was this before the After The Show discussion? Correct. Okay, well, specifically four or five trailers jammed on a DVD that you can't skip, that you're sitting in your own house watching, I think is bullshit, A, because I never will remember them anyway, because I don't care about them, I only care about the movie I'm watching, and B, I think it's really rude. Yeah, I like, there's there's a couple of, uh, Blu-rays have trailers on the front of them, and uh, Disney ones in particular have a lot of trailers on the front of them, because they have to sell that stuff to the kids, you know? But they do have a button now on the Disney trailers that says, do you want to just skip all the trailers and go to the menu? That is a good idea. Of course, yes. Um, Other movies have unskippable trailers, which is an absolute diabolical... Yeah, it's diabolical because you just paid for this movie and now you've got... Every single time, even in ten years when you watch this movie again, you have to sit through a trailer for five movies that are ten years old. And if you're a movie executive person who... Not a movie executive person. If you're one of the Blu-ray promotional studio people who does this, I'm telling you now, and I'm not the only person. I don't care what my husband says. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not the only person who doesn't give a shit. I don't care about the movies that you're showing. I won't remember. You know why? Because I'm sitting down to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm focused on that. I'm fiddling with my cup of tea. I'm waiting for the movie to start. I don't care. And so I'm going to watch my movie I want. And none of those trailers are in my mind at all. Like, at all. So. I think there's a place for trailers. Obviously, trailers are like the signpost for the movie. You know, in the theaters, they show trailers so you know what's coming up and what to come and see next or whatever. They make sense. Sometimes the people who cut trailers together do it completely wrong and show you the entire movie. Oh, I God, hate yeah. that. I always said I've hated that. But what, what got us to this subject was David Fincher, who um, directed this week's movie that we're going to be reviewing, doesn't allow whatever studio publishes his movie to put trailers on his Blu-ray uh, or DVD. So if you go back and look at your David Fincher catalogue, with the exception of... No, all of them. I was going to say, with the exception of his very first of all of them, they won't have any commercials. There are TV trailers and spots for the movie on for the his TV. movie, yeah. just for completion's sake in his um, extras, because yeah. he wants you to have everything to do with the movie. But at the beginning of any of his discs, when you put them in, it will go straight to the menu, and then you play the movie literally within seconds. What he needs his... to do, though, skip the menu like some place some studios do. Now. But he does go to effort. The menus are quite good too mm-hmm. on his movies. It's not just like here's some scenes from the movie. This one in particular, anyway. That's why we got onto the subject of trailers. They can be good, they can be annoying. I like the teasery style trailers best where it's just like a black screen and maybe like a logo and it's coming soon. Because I said like putting DVD tra- movie trailers on the front of say a David Fincher movie on your DVD at home is like walking into an art gallery and in the frame of every other painting of every painting are little thumbnails of other people's paintings that say, if you like this Van Gogh, you're going to also like this ba-da-da-da, and have them all splashing and shit all around, so that you're not focused on the thing you want to be focused on, that you're distracted. I understand advertising, I'm not an idiot, but there are those of us who it doesn't, it's not But the thing is, you know, you understand advertising, and so do I, but when I have purchased the girl with the dragon tattoo for $20, and I own the Blu-ray... 
I have, I've given them you, I've given my money yeah, for exactly. this particular product. I know you want money for the next product also, but you should be happy. I, I paid for that one. Yeah. You've already got my money. You don't need to, uh, like, it's just a thing, isn't it? It will never go away. It will just get worse. But get worse. people like David Fincher movies are changing the Movies get shorter, game. trailers will get longer, and before, before we know it, the trailer will be the movie You'll be going to on. see the trailer. Yeah. Just No, I mean, that'll be it. They won't be making two-hour movies or three-hour movies. They'll be making 30-second movies, and that's it. Like <laughs> they should, Somebody should do uh, that that little idea there in, I think a, they do. in a future movie. Oh, I think they've taken lots of movies. Isn't there a site that does that and cuts no, it down? No, I mean, in, like, a, in a movie about the future, like Idiocracy oh, right. or something, where, like, everybody's dumbed down. They should, like, <laughs> have, like, a movie playing and it literally lasts five seconds and then it's all, all over. Anyway, this is uh, Saturday, April the 28th. No, it is not. It's May the 5th. I didn't change the date. <laughs> but, uh, all right, then. So it's a retake. It's uh, May the 5th. Correct. Uh, you'll be listening to this on May the 6th or the 7th, probably. Or the 20th or 2013 or 2015. And it's 2012, and this is after the show number 222, All the Twos, Three Little Ducks. As I'm they sure say that's in bingo updated. Um, maybe not. It might, it might be 223. <laughs> it could be. Do we know? I don't know. I have to, I have to check, so just keep them in All right, keep them in I can look right here. We've got a file really quickly. No problem. Did you read this book, by the way? Dragon, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? No. All right. I didn't either. I don't read any of this. This is 222. Okay, very good. I, I changed that, but didn't change the date. All right, so this is uh, after the show number 222. We're looking at the girl with the dragon... Dragon... The girl with the... Hold on. The girl with the dragon tattoo on Blu-ray. This is a 2011 movie released on Blu-ray on the 20th of March, 2012. So you can pick it up now. It's an R-rated movie. There's a couple of taglines, actually. The first tagline is, The Feel Bad Movie of the Year, which I like. And the second tagline is, What Comes Forth... Oh, let me read this. <laughs> what is hidden in snow comes forth in the thaw. In the thaw. Mm. Right. I like the uh, Feel Bad Movie of the Year best, because it kind of is. So I disagree, but... Of course I disagree. Uh, it's from uh, our friends at Sony, who did not provide this Blu-ray, so I don't know why I'm saying that. I purchased this Blu-ray. So, uh, you're going to give us a synopsis. Really? Yes. Do you think anyone listening to this needs a synopsis? Yes. Girl the Dragon Tattoo is about a troubled young woman, uh, her life, a slice of her life running along slide side a slice of life from... Um, I guess an investigative reporter looking into some dramas and crimes and whatnot. And um, that's it, really. She's also an investigator, but not a reporter. Right, so... I'm pretty sure I just totally under... under, yeah. under it was underwhelming, uh, but I don't like to give things away. No, so. I don't think we will give too many spoilers away here, but um, I just want to preface this by saying this is a remake. Um, it's not... This movie's already been made. A Swedish version of this movie was made. Swedish ver- uh, version of all three of the books has been made, the trilogy. Um, and this is the Americanized remake. But not Americanized, it's kind of an odd kind mm-hmm. of movie. David Fincher did some interesting choices by actually setting it in Sweden and using Swedish actors and American actors. And British actors. And having American actor- some American actors do a Swedish accent and some don't. And, you know, there's some odd... But I like it because it kind of gives it this vibe, you know? So, yeah, this is a remake of 
movies that exist and books that exist too. The Millennium Trilogy by Stig Larsson. Um, so there's obvious, there's going to be two more of these movies. According to all rumours, though, it's not um, going to be David Fincher. Somebody else is taking the reins for the other two. So um, go with the Dragon Tattoo. I didn't read the book. You didn't. No. Didn't see the Swedish originals. You didn't. I'd kind of like to now. Just I to. can give you another synopsis. The Swedish title of the books and the movie is Men Who Hate Women. Of this book, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. So, let me give you this. I like reading books. I just haven't got around to reading this book yet. And this movie is the movie... the One of the best movies I've ever seen that feels like you're reading a book. Really? I think it's... Do you know when you when you say something has a real density to it? The plot here is so dense, but but well crafted actually. It doesn't. It's it's actually well crafted in a screenplay way. It feels like you're reading a book. It's you've got to pay attention, and it's. I was really confused to be and honest. And there's a at the lot beginning. of de- lot of detail. I like um, how it. I know I've not read the book, and I'm sure the books. People who have read the book are saying, no, no, the book's about 50 times more detailed than yeah. this movie. This movie loses half of the David sub-plot. Fincher said he chopped off 70% of the book. So He did. But uh, this book must be super dense if he chopped off 70 because the movie feels like something substantial. Like You have to wrap your mind around it. There's lots of subtleties. There's lots of characters. Lots of characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sweden's like a character. It being set in Sweden. Um... I just felt it feels substantial, like like another David Fincher film, Zodiac. You feel like you've really experienced something. It's not flimsy. It's not like a straight up um, action movie or thriller movie. Even though it does have elements of all that. I mean, it's kind of yeah. you know, action movie, thriller movie. Um, I adore this movie. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's, and it's not because I love David Fincher. And I said I probably like this movie. He just does something. I mean, it's not even his material. It's not David Fincher's material, but it has got David Fincher stamped all over it, right? Um, I mean, just less the, than stylistically. Other yeah, less than other movies, for sure. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things of David Fincher these days as well is um, having Trent Reznor do the music, which he does the entire time during this, the soundtrack. And like The Social Network, it gives it this brooding quality because it's very simple if you listen to um trent Reznor's music listen to the ditties in the social network and listen to this very simple just a few chords or a few piano notes but it gives you this like dark feeling absolutely and seven as well but that wasn't done by uh, trent Reznor. It was before trent Reznor days but seven as well it has this odd so it makes this movie more than it is, if you get what I'm saying. Because it is, a, it's like a whodunit kind of deal, right? I mean, that's what it is at its heart with some yeah, some extra p- personal stuff over the top of it. But at the, at the end of it, it's a whodunit. Like, a, who did this? Uh, let's get to the bottom of it. Procedural. Let's go through... Yeah. Let's go through stuff, which could be super boring in some filmmakers' hands. Oh, look, we're going to look through dossiers for, like, five minutes. The way he does that kind of stuff, I love the way he does it, you know? Because there is a lot of looking through things for information here. 
I guess I don't see it that way. I think it's really dynamic. Like Yeah, it's super dynamic. That's correct. Like other filmmakers, I've seen it as less dynamic, where people just go and sit in a library and look through stuff. The way he presents it, it's different. Because they're looking at computer screens? No, <laughs> even when she's looking at, like, yeah. you know, um, old documents. But when you and- chalk that partially up to her, she's just not your standard sit-in-the-library kind of a woman looking Well, even when he's looking at stuff. Because the first, you know, before he meets her, yeah. he's doing a lot of procedural work himself. Like, even that was interesting to me. I was like, I was, I guess I was captured by the whodunit. It's an interesting right, movie. That is so secondary to me. As for the whole story. Yeah. And then but I don't think of the looking through stuff at all. I wasn't ever settled in on that. I was it was a constant I was constantly absorbed in the each person's in the moment emotions. So that what they were pursuing, I guess, didn't hit me as strong. The story of it didn't hit me as much as those people did. That's all I was thinking about the whole time. See, and I really liked the who. I liked the setup of like it's it's a confined area, yeah. and everybody is conveniently is there to interview or whatever, which is interesting in itself. Um, and then there's secrets, obviously, that un- yeah. unravel as it goes on, um, and. One of the things is, I don't think, I didn't, you, you don't know where the secret is. It could be any of it. It could be all of it. It could be any of it. It could be what it actually boils down to is not what you're going to probably think it's going to be. Right. I like that too. But I do think, like you just said, I know this is going to be a trilogy and there's, there's a lot more to it than this. Maybe this is just the first story or maybe this story interweaves into the other two. I don't know. Maybe there's three separate stories. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, but it's the who done it section, which is quite a big section of the movie, really. Isn't the whole of the movie? No. The no. rest of the movie is the Daniel Craig slash. Um, See, I don't even think of it like that at all. It doesn't even sectioned up for me. All of it is about their journey as individuals, and then that is just a like a like a skipping like a stepping stone to get to different parts of who they are. So to me, it isn't like, here's part of the movie, here's the mystery, here's the rest of the movie. Not at all. Like, it all just- Well, that's how I see it constructed, like a tapestry. Like, it, like here's, this, here's the central idea. Right. And then here's the... And this, it just so happens. If you had that central idea, and the two main characters weren't as interesting as they are in this movie, it could be kind of not that good a movie. Because that central idea is okay, but you've got to have somebody interesting to go along with on the ride to find what that is. And these people are like the least people you would expect to be doing it. That's what I liked about it. Even Daniel Craig, he's not your average... To me, he's not. He's not in this, anyway. He's kind of damaged, also. He's... he's. No, he's like a super rich guy who just got snagged in a problem with his magazine Yeah, but article. he's also... There's a lot going on inside him. And he is, um, you know... He's not. He's not a super happy-go-lucky dude. He's he's kind of moody. Like he's and you know he doesn't know. He comes to this place, which is he's like a fish out of water. There, it's not his climate. It's not. He doesn't know as hundred percent why he's there. Like it's it's you know fishing. Right. So I like. I love that. Part. Right. I love the fact that they're not just your average. Yeah. Oh, here comes Miss Marple or Kojak or somebody. Right. Right. You yeah. know, to and he, even though those. Um, 
Kojak and Miss Marple are supposed to be different. They're not, though, are they? Because you could say, she, oh, well, she's just a modern-day Miss Marple. Because she's just exactly. murder she wrote or something. She's there to solve this thing. But it's not like that, is it? Is. Well, when you say it like that, it is. <laughs> to be honest. But they bring so much baggage with them. Yeah. And the baggage that they bring with them, or her specifically, is real dark baggage, which is kind of unspeakable baggage, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And that's what makes the movie really different when you throw that stuff in. It's So... I guess what I'm saying is, it's her, really. Absolutely. And, you know... Because the name of the movie is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, correct. (laughs) So it is about... And I like how that doesn't really mean anything. Absolutely. Like, she's got a tattoo. Well, should you tell them that? Well, I just think the the cover... uh, No, yeah, it shows you on the the inside of the cover. I mean, she's got a tattoo. It's not... See, to me... It's a literal title, like... Yeah. It's a girl with a tattoo, but there's more to it than that, is what I'm saying. Because looking at that cover, you don't really know what you're getting into, do you? Not that cover. No. So, um, what what do you think? I, um, I feel like it, like you said, super substantial. Like, it feels really long, but in a good way. It's like, I don't want it to be resolved. I don't want the resolution. I don't want the end to come. I don't want them to find the thing, because I'm so intrigued by un- unraveling them a little bit at a time. There are obvious things. Obviously, if you take a very damaged young woman, and sort of this snobby dude who just got knocked off his perch, there's a very stereotypical characters. There's not that much interesting about them, really. But... Then you go the extra step and you add Fincher's thing where he has the costume lady who makes her visually what she is. And you have the actress who brings a very committed, committed as in she's committed to making this character into something, like really getting behind the character, becoming her. That adds more to it to me than just saying, oh, this dark and brooding young woman who's had a terrible past and this guy who's now going to have to, you know, he's having some turmoil and just got, you know, sued for a bunch of money. That just sounds okay. Okay, whatever. But it's these people, it's the combination. That's what the movie, you know, all of it together, the co- the package of the director, the writer who I found a little bit obnoxious, but whatever, the, <laughs> the actors, the sets, everything made it. I was like, I was like, what's the word? Like, immersed in it. Completely. I I think Fincher brings tons to the tape. I think lots of it is down to him. And and his expectations of the people on the set make them better. Make them more. And he's not afraid of making a scene that makes you literally me. You recoil. Like, you swallow up inside yourself. Just even the... um, that there are certain scenes that you just oh my god like it's just yeah, this horrible. Is, we we were talking earlier about like censorship and like um, last week we watched Shame, which is an NC seventeen movie, and this is an R rated movie. I would if you were I'm not spoiling nothing or saying anything, but if you're of a nervous disposition or you don't like to be disturbed or images can't this is not. I think this is actually and we were saying that the rating system's kind of mucked up yeah. because. We watched Shame last week, and it was Lots of a sex. certain things: uh, sex, some penises, or a penis. <laughs> um, 
And it's an NC-17 because, oh my god, you can't see a penis, so you can't see some sex. Sex and thematically. Now this one goes a little bit... Has another kind of sex and another kind of theme. Which is actually, in my opinion, and I'm not the person who censors movies, worse. This should have an NC-17 If you're trying to stop someone from seeing it of a certain age, this one would be higher up on the scale. Like, I don't think the same person saw Shame and Dragon Tattoo and give them the ratings because... There's a there's a contradiction going on there in that rating If you're naming system. these two, that one was shame and this one will be shameless. <laughs> Correct. So yeah, the rating system is messed up. After seeing these two films back to back, that's just confirmed it a little bit more for me. Um, and this movie does have graphic scenes. I, it's very difficult to watch too. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. We've seen other movies with the, those kind of scenes. Mm-hmm. That it's never a comfortable scene. That those those scenes are comfortable. But your question was, do you think people who real people in real life yeah, do horrible things? Mind. Who do horrible things when they see these movies? Let's just be totally brutal here. And do they get off on it? Like, is that something? And yeah, probably because there are horrible, horrible people that are depicted in movies. While yes, some are extreme and exaggerated. Obviously, Darth Vader's not a real person, but the evil that lurks inside of some people. And then the things humans do to each other, it exists in real life. And then we see it in a movie, and you're you're not meant to be exposed to it. It kind of uh, it kind of cuts into you. And this is one of those one of those. He does a Hollywood version of the most uncomfortable things you can imagine. Yeah, all, if you've seen Seven, mm-hmm. also you know it would make you squirm. Ma- mainly power of suggestion in that movie. Absolutely. And, um, or the retelling of a thing that someone had to do, and you know he's the guy, the nervous guy, explaining what he did in Seven. I think you know? that was one of the first movies, Seven. This is why Fincher has left a real big mark on me. Uh, Seven was one of the first movies where I actually watched it and thought, could see it in the cinema, and came out and thought, I didn't realize filmmakers could go that far right. with a with a you yeah. know a dark idea. Like I've seen like murder films and stuff, but this is really taking it a long way. Like, it's... For a mainstream film. Yep. We've obviously seen indie-type films where it really takes it a long way. Like, something like Dead Girl. Yes. Where it really takes an <laughs> yes. idea. Because they can. Because they, you know, they're not the Hollywood blockbusters. But Fincher really pushes the envelope, I think, on, you know, how far you can go with a story. Not gratuitous. Not gratuitous. Some like would he, say. Yeah, but like he even says, like, I don't... It's not about gratuitous, is it? Like, right, I but his definition is different than someone else's. But so. this, you know, this scene obviously exists in we the We can't book. say to people, it's not gratuitous and it's, you know, it's perfectly fine because your sensibility might be even the hint of some of these topics. Well, let me say not titillating. Work. Like, shame was not titillating, I don't think. <laughs> it was like... To you, but it will be to some people. Right, to some people. But to me, shame was like the most unsexy film I've ever seen. <laughs> For a film with lots of nudity and sex, it's the most unsexy thing you've ever seen. I really do th- th- believe that. And this is not sexy either. <laughs> it's like... You know why? Because you don't have a dark side, do you? As a person, you don't have a... A lot of people have what they say, they're damaged. They well, want to I like hurt watching people. dark movies. I know stuff. you do, but you don't have a dark side, so you can't hardly fathom when you're watching that. You know, like this one today, for example. There are scenes where there are people, the character depicted in the movie, there are people like that. Oh, I can There are people that. watching it, 
but you can't fa- in in your own self you're just like you're so repelled by it all that it just it can't even it's almost like oh you know when there are real people who watch this and they'll just won't be affected by it other people will run away from it crying you know what i mean like so right yeah, yeah i'm a, i'm a bit on the actually both sides of that. i it doesn't like <laughs> affect me like but it, it i do think it does bring to to your front of your mind that's happening now Yes, and that that happens to real all the time. Real people, like when we watch the whistleblower. Exactly. That it's stuff. That's girls being real sex happening. Slaves. Thing. Yeah, like it's it's happening now. Like when you're watching this movie, somebody that in is the world happening. right now, as we speak, someone in this world, in this country, in this neighborhood, possibly is being hurt sexually or violently by someone. Yeah, so there's the things that it brings forward exactly. to Exactly. And, you know, you can be saying, oh, I'm just watching a movie for entertainment. But, you know, I it's stories to be told about the world exactly. and the human condition. And I think Fincher does it... He's obviously got a very dark side, because look at his movies. I mean, yes. He's explored most of the dark taboos. Fight Club and Seven and Zodiac and, you know... He said he thinks Fight Club was funny. And tame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of, it shows you... Because he knew. We yeah. won't say anything about it, but he knows. So yeah. when you know, yeah, then exactly. it seems funny. But when you don't know... I mean, that was that <laughs> was also not his... That was a book by somebody else. Right, but, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, most people knew that. If, we didn't know because we no. didn't read the book. No. I like that sometimes. I always know. <laughs> I like that always. Yeah. So, um, the cast of this movie, we got Daniel Craig as the uh, Mikhail Blum, Blumkist. He's like a investigative journalist whose last whose last job kind of went not very right not his job but yeah. his last um story story wasn't it was controversial and he goes mm. on to do an, um, probably a more controversial one the second time mm. the one that he does in this movie um yeah so and you know he's an investigative journalist it's you've, you've seen them a billion times in movies they're very thorough and they look things up and that's what he does most of this movie. It's not like a James Bond thing where he's running away from stuff. Or no. It's more of a thoughtful... Um, and then you've got Rooney Mara, who who plays the girl with the dragon tattoo, Elizabeth Salander. Um, it's amazing. Why, why didn't she get an Oscar for that? No kidding. It's amazing. I mean, first off, she's an American teenager. Well, 20-year-old or whatever. And she's playing a... You know, she even does a Swedish accent. I don't know how good that is, but it seemed pretty good yeah. to me. It was sold me. Swedish people are probably watching go, oh, come on, give us a break. Why didn't she, they just make... Why didn't they just set it all in America? In fact, this, I've heard this a lot. Mm. And I, have, I watch a few Swedish YouTubers. And one of them is a David Fincher nut, kind of like I am. And he refuses to watch this movie because it was filmed in his neighbourhood. And he thinks... That they shouldn't have come and done it here. Because there was already a movie that exists, that right. everybody can see, that was filmed in the same places, same sets almost. Why? What's the point? Like, Because he was saying, if David Finch is going to do it, just make an American version of it. Uh, is this also the same person, the same man who doesn't like female heroes? No, you don't know this person. Okay, I was going to say, no wonder. Okay, different person. But he's a Fincher nut. He loves Fincher, but he, 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 being Swedish, he's like, this should just be an American movie. I mean, there are American people in it. It could be in America. David Fincher's American. Now, I read David Fincher and he said he was going to do it in America, but 
something feels Swedish about it, he said. No matter who's in it, the book feels Swedish, obviously because it's a Swedish book set in Sweden. He feels that the vibe of the real Swedish would be totally different to anywhere in the States. I agree. I agree too, yeah. But then the Swedish people say, well, then why didn't he just use the actors from the other film? Well, then it would be the other film, right? Uh, But there are arguments about that. Do you remake a film that's only a year old? You know? But the thing is, a Swedish version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo that exists, some people in America will watch it, a subtitled movie, but most people won't. That's the reason for remakes, right? Is it a re- it's not a remake of that movie. It is because the, the guy wrote the screenplay from scratch. So it's not a remake of that movie. It is another, is a different movie. Different interpretation. Based, really quickly off. But it's not made from the movie. It's no. made from the books. And then a screenwriter got a hold of the book, rewrote it completely, pulled out the parts he wanted. He's the one that said he stripped 70% away. So it's not a remake at all. It's not even, like, that's completely I inaccurate. disagree anyway. I think if, if it's a good story... And you can... This is obviously... If you watch the Swedish one and watch this one, they're not going to be the same. They're just not going to. It's a different screenplay. This one's all Swedish people in Sweden, and this one's coming coming from different variations of people. They're going to be different. There's no doubt. I'll probably go and watch the Swedish version. It's on Netflix. I think I'd watch it just to see what the difference is. And even they mentioned in the extras, yes, the character in the... The Elizabeth character in the... Swedish one is very different to the version she portrays. So I, I see value in in different ones. Because we haven't seen that one. And the mainstream audiences would never see no, those movies. True. I mean, they would never seek them out. They would never see them. Even though the books are super huge. They would wait for an American version and then watch it. That's the reason. Um, but she, why didn't she win anything? She was, she was amazing. She was and really she had to change amazing. her physical look, everything. She had to lose weight. She had to. Um, I don't think they said she was already skinny. No, she not. She not. She had to lose weight. I was. She had to lose twenty five pounds or something. Because obviously, in other stuff, she's not that thin. Right. Um, and what did we see her in? I don't even remember. Because she's Nightmare on Elm Street, something like that. One of those remakes she was in. Oh right. She might have been Nancy. Might have been. Something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, fantastic. I, I, you know, she makes this movie for me, and I like Daniel Craig a lot. But I like watching her. It's a, a lot. good pairing, though. The way they are. It together. is, and it's an unlikely pairing. That's why I like it. You know. Um, so Christopher Plummer plays Henrik <laughs> Vanger. Keeps um, on going. He really does. He's good in this. <laughs> He's good in everything. I think. Is he like a hundred years old? Seriously. Yeah, and uh, I didn't put a load of people down. There's a lot of people in this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are Swedish actors who, if I mention them here, you won't know who they are anyway. But they're all... Oh, everybody does a good job, Unless I think. you're Swedish. Yeah, if you're Swedish. <laughs> everybody does a good job. I can't think of anybody nobody, doing a bad job. Nobody was slacking off. Like, not one single person. And the last person I put was Stellan Skarsgård as Martin Vanger. Oh, you didn't put the creepy guy there, because uh-uh. he was really good. But he was really good. You so, want to hate him and detest him and... Do horrible things. I'm still in Skarsgård, but the thing is, he was. But the thing is, he had to. Skarsgård, Skarsgård, Skarsgård. All oh, right, he, you know, did his own. He had a couple of monologue and a couple of scenes, but it wasn't like what the other guy had to do. And that guy really had to sort of. You could even talked about it. Had to go to places in his mind and be able to do things as an actor. 
that a lot of actors wouldn't do or wouldn't be able to do in a convincing way. I was convinced he was a horrible, horrible human being. So I think he, I forget his name, and I don't, is he Swedish? Swedish actor. Yeah. So directed by David Fincher, we all know David Fincher, Fight Club, Social Network, Zodiac 7, to name but a few. Um, one of my favorite directors, I said last week. Is he one of yours? Um, I do like them all. I don't think I feel the same. I even like Panic Room. I like the grit of things. You know, I do like the darkness, and yet it always has a tiny bit of pretentiousness to me. So, I don't know. I like it. I will always want to see them, but that doesn't equal good to me. Just because you say, oh, this next movie by David Fincher is XYZ, I don't go, oh, I'm going to love it. I'm going to have to do I have so far. We'll just have to see. So, um, this Blu-ray edition, which we're looking at here, is fantastic because it comes in awesome packaging that most Blu-rays do not. Um... So one of these slip-out, uh, what do you call this? Slip-out dealios. Mm-hmm. And um, it has some awesome like character art on the cover, which I really like, uh, black and white. And then one of the discs in the set, this caused a little bit of controversy, it looks like a recordable DVD with uh, Sharpie written across it. And what happened was they started putting it in the Netflix, because this is the DVD version of the movie, and they put it, started putting it in the Redbox kiosks and people were reporting it saying that you've given us a pirated DVD, but it's not a pirated DVD. It's <clears throat> supposed to look Themed like along with the one movie. of Elizabeth's um, yeah. recordable CDs. Um, so, yeah, it's a cool addition. All the extras are contained on a second disc, um, so there are a lot of them. And I'm talking a lot. Um, we watched some. Um, what did you think overall? I won't go through them all in detail because there's a lot. They give a lot of information. I didn't feel like there was that many. I would like to have known more about the original book, but then I think he likes to separate himself from that. He likes to think of his thing, you know, the thing he made from it as its own thing. It says four hours of Vanger archives here. So that that disc we were looking at, which is actually laid out like some archive yeah. where you can root through the folders and stuff. There's four hours of material in there. Really? Because we tapped into every menu. and Some of them must have been really long that we didn't... Right. You know, there's, there's some on-the-set stuff, documentary style. Hmm. One where they were where they're hiding from a rainstorm, which was kind of funny. But that was only about seven or eight minutes. Yeah, but there was a bunch of them, a big list of them. Some of them could be 15 oh, minutes each. True. Some of Very them could true. be 20 minutes each. And there's a commentary, which is three hours. Yep. Or whatever the movie was. Yeah, there's an audio commentary by David Fincher for all you Fincher fans. I know, for a fact, you'll I will play be listening it. to that this week, <laughs> tomorrow. You'll it in over there yeah. and listen to it. Uh, I will listen to that tomorrow. And um, I always listen to Fincher's commentaries. He's really good. The only thing that's kind of bad about his commentaries is sometimes it takes him a really long time to get an idea out. Yes. And it's kind of like, you, come on, come on, come on. And then it comes out. And then it's like a word of wisdom or something. And you're like, wow, that was cool. But That's where the pretentiousness comes from with me. I think he's a bit of a... He's a thinker, I think. He also likes to think ahead of what will shock and impress and get a reaction out of people. Now, that sometimes comes off as not genuine. It's more indulgent. It's just that so far, everything's come out pretty good. (laughs) But there could be a line that he could cross, I think, with wanting to be so kind of over-the-top slash cool slash intellectual that he seems like a dickhead. So... Have to stay tuned for that someday, I guess. So um, this Blu-ray, fantastic edition, three discs, um, four hours of bonus features, and a three-hour commentary. So you're saying that when you rent it, 
you don't get any of that. When you rent the DVD, you just get the DVD disc with none of the extras. The extras are on the Blu-rays. Right. What about if you like want to watch it on like on um, line on Amazon, for example? You can you watch get, them. You in. don't get none of those extras. They're Blu-ray exclusives. Right. So that four-hour disc of extras. If you're into this movie, you're getting four hours of behind-the-scenes stuff. That's the way to watch it. And we've seen this for price for twenty dollars online for a special edition. That's pretty cheap. Hmm. Because that is a lot of back backstory. You get everything. There's like uh, theatrical posters, trailers, like everything. Only thing I couldn't find, and maybe I'll find oh, it yeah. tomorrow when I go through, is uh, any interviews with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I couldn't find anything. Because it was a hu- it was a huge part of the of social network, yeah. and they were on there explaining how they came up with the music. But I couldn't find anything on this one. Maybe it's hidden away somewhere, but we had a kind of a route through and couldn't find it. Um, so yeah, I like uh, the costume lady. I'd be interested to know what other movies she's done. Yeah, I f- do you feel like you've seen her before? No, I had never. See, I did. I felt like I'd seen her before. And I was thinking, was it on another Fincher movie or like Fight Club or what? I've never seen the extras from any other ones. So did know. you not watch all the extras from Fight Club? Mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, it's a... I'm blown away. Great movie. <laughs> great Blu-ray. Um, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. bought it. I'm I'm moved away from needing to own DVDs and stuff. I think it's a bit. I think I own all of Finch's movies now. Because if I can watch the movie, unless it's something I know I'm going to watch multiple times, which I'm not going to watch that multiple times, probably. um, I would definitely watch that again. I think it's, like I said, dense enough for you to gather more information a second time. I really feel. I just it. don't feel the need to own things like that anymore. Really, that'd be very. But if very you do specific. feel the need to own things, it's a good one to own. It's a really good movie, and it's a good Fincher puts extra detail into. Why do you need to own it? No, I'm saying if you do, if you do collect DVDs <laughs> yeah. and movies, and you love this movie, for instance, it is a good value movie. They're not just giving you the movie. Oh, There's yeah, a lot true. of stuff to be explored, which is how a movie should be present uh, presented. Because if you're a fan, big enough fan to go out and buy the movie. There should be stuff for you as a fan, not just the movie. You know, for the price. For the price, yeah. Yeah, for 20 bucks. Absolutely. Because normally they'd say, oh no, it's 40 bucks for the one with the extra disc, but not this, not in this case. It was, on Amazon. Yeah, that, that's a um, marketplace, that's people. What do you mean? Like, Amazon have a thing called Amazon Marketplace. If you buy it from Amazon, it's 20 bucks. If you buy it from other sellers, it's 40 bucks. The other sellers... Oh, no, just... the Amazon price said 40 marked down to 20 Oh, that's just the uh, the recommended retail price. It never right. comes out of that. Even though Sony say it's supposed to be 40 nobody ever charges that. It's... I don't they know They want what... to make you think you're getting a deal. I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Go with the Dragon Tattoo. One of the best this year for me. You? One of the most in yeah, I mean I don't know how to say best because it's it's a top quality movie. Absolutely, it takes you to dark places where I'm not sure you know there's it's entertaining it's got some enjoyable moments and yet it's just it's a full experience in a good way. So um, yeah, that's good with Dragon Tattoo available now. So if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com, click on the word contest. We've got two contests going on this week. One for the uh, Mill Creek 50 movie collection Dark Crimes awesome that's 50 movies in one box which is insane right well let's not oversell it it's, it's still, awesome whatever it is it's insane to get 50 movies well in not one necessarily because these are movies that are public domain 
you could get them. You in the past, you could get them for a dollar on a DVD. Sell it or anything? <laughs> I'm saying for me, it's fantastic. I'm oh, not. Okay. I'm, I'm don't want to oversell that. You you don't want to say to people get 50 movies for. Well, but, but let I mean, me just uh, give you a couple of stat, stats here. Right, it's Dark Crimes. It's a 50 movie collection. It's on 12 DVDs. It's the thickest DVD case I've ever seen in my life, and it run. Its runtime is 60 hours and 40 minutes. So that's pretty good if you like this kind well, of old. They're very old. Remember a lot of them. They're not top. They're they're not like what you just have to go for. If you like really old movies from the forties and fifties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, right? And these might not necessarily be headliner movies. There's a lot of movies made in those years, but they Correct. are the dark crimes ones now. This company puts together all kinds of collections. So they have like horror and comedy and all kinds of stuff. But I am interested to watch all those myself. So if you want to win a copy of that, uh, go and enter. And if you want to win a copy of... What's the other thing? Oh, if you want... This is even better. If you want to win win a copy of... um, Well, first off, you win a copy of this DVD. But you also win a portable DVD player. Oh, right. Which is pretty awesome, right? Uh, I gotta <laughs> tap into the air contest. Yeah, the the movie's called The Jungle Bunch. It's a s- CG animated uh, movie from Universal with the voice of John Lithgow as the main oh. character, based on the children's books written by John Lithgow. Aww. So if you win this contest, not only do you win the DVD of the movie, you win a portable DVD player to give to your kids to watch the movie on, and you win two of John Lithgow's children's books oh my as well. So. That's a good one. It's a one. pretty awesome comp- contest. So you can go, go and enter it. Ascoli.com. Go to yeah. contests. So it's a pack of all those items, and I, I would like to win that. The two separate things. The 50 movies of Dark Crimes is one contest. Yes. And the Jungle, Jungle, Children's Jungle Book Bunch. is another. Yeah. Uh, both so you could win two things. Both good contests. Um, so, yeah. Um, next week's Blu-ray review will be The Grey, starring Liam Neeson. Um, so tune in for that next week. Now, we have our, what do we have? What's this movie game? Tune in. When are yeah. we going to lose that little saying, do you reckon? Tune in, ladies. Tune in, boys and girls. Next week, same time, same bad channel. Twiddle the knob. <laughs> tune in. Yeah, I, know. I don't know why I say tune in. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. I just think it's going to be a, I'm channeling, it's a relic, isn't it? <laughs> I'm channeling a 1950s radio personality. Not just 1950s. <laughs> in the last 20 years, tune in is fading away. You know? Tune in tomorrow morning for the Today Show. Yes, because you gotta you gotta be watching Still it, right? But you don't have to. It's also yeah. tune. Also <laughs> tune. No, no, you're not. You're doing the universal sign for tuning. Turning the um. Turn the knob. Just tune it in, or no, tune on the radio. There is none of that anymore, though, is it? Turn it, tune it into the radio. There's See, that's that. from the radio, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Funny. So, what's our movie game that we play at this juncture? Oh God! Movie memory one two three. <laughs> so you you remember? <laughs> I have to look at the name, and this is when you will say. Name three movies that blah blah blah, and then I have to come up with three movies that blah blah blah. All right, so three movies with tattoos as the focus, like it's part of the main thing. Part of the main thing, or part of the main character? Anything like tattoos are a, a big part of it. Um, the one with the naked fight scene in the steam room. That That's is one of them. Okay. Eastern promises. Eastern promises. Uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. That you can't have that. <laughs> Damn. Oh, dear. Um, 
But that was a good one, because that was the first one that came yeah, to my mind, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, a tattoo is the main thing on a person? Or can, main... I can give you a clue for one of them. No, let me think. Um, how about uh, this one? The uh, cobra arm wrestling one? Does he have a big mm, tattoo on his arm? Really, no. that... Doesn't have a tattoo? I mean, I mean, yeah, but it's not part of it. It's I'm not, just saying. No. It came to my mind because you have... Okay, give me the clue. Uh, Christopher Nolan movie, one of them. And the tattoos play a major part in this movie. I don't know. You don't know? No. You want to guess a little bit? You more? mean Batman? No. Christopher Nolan. I don't know all these movies off the top of my head. You do know this one. I'm sure I do, but... Guy Pierce is in it. The memory one? Yes. Your, mem- your memory's <laughs> yeah, not... Yeah, but... <laughs> Memento. <laughs> he uses tattoos to remember things. That is correct. I didn't think of that. And right. what's your third one? I don't know. Wanted. Angelina Jolie's character. Oh, dear, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's another one, a bonus one, if you want to throw Yes. Bonus Doomsday. One. Remember the um, tattooed lady? Oh, yeah. Kinda. She was like... Mega tattoos. Savage, kind of, with tattoos everywhere. Face, face. She was like one of the baddies. In fact, they chop her head off and hold it up. Don't tell people. (laughs) Oh, you're terrible about that. Oh, my God. Okay. So I don't win the prize this week. You don't win, because your movie memory was really bad. Crapping. So, uh, movie recommendations this week, based off The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I was going with Zodiac and Seven. Both of those two, because... If you were looking at Fincher's work and the procedural kind of movies, those are the three. Like detective yeah. work, Zodiac's about solving the thing. Almost, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Zodiac are similar-ish in my eyes because they're about the the paper chase of finding somebody, of finding something. Uh, and my third one, when I talked at the beginning about this movie being really dense and something to sink your teeth into, is Kevin Smith's dogma, because the idea of it and yeah. the dialogue that is involved in imparting it to you is a lot to take in. It is. So the first time you watch it, you're kind of like, "Ooh, there's so many ideas!" Like it's, and I felt like that was well, it's the most dense of Kevin Smith's work, and most of it's not that dense, is it? No. Well, that movie not is, true. There's, Chasing Amy, I think, is very dense in yeah, terms of relationships. Yeah. Uh, but the, that as a dogma is just... It's so wacky, the idea, and also real, and uh, satir- satire, the whole thing is a lot to take in at once. But when it all gets across to you, you're like, wow, <laughs> this is more than a silly shit monster movie. There's more well, to it than that. Some people won't see past the shit monster. Yeah, part, right, but... but- it also has a shit monster, but it also has a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's my three movies. And mine are... I was trying to think, and my question is... Um, think about all the movies you've ever seen and try to focus on fathers who are good fathers to daughters who are either avenging their death or searching for them or protecting them, where it's like the main theme of the movie... Versus the fathers who are mourning dead sons, either young boys who have died or been kidnapped or protecting their young son, or a son who's protecting their good father. Fathers to sons are always good. Just think about that, because it's hard to come by. And the ones I did come by were 
not great movies by any stretch of the imagination, but Taken came to mind because Liam Neeson, as you mentioned for next week, has to go try to find a daughter who's been taken, loves her very much, good father, good, you know, and then uh, Edge of Darkness, which again, not great, but it's a father who loved his daughter genuinely in a a decent, <laughs> decent and wholesome way as a father should love a daughter. I disagree with that about you saying that those are um, not that good movies because I think Taken's exceptionally good. Um, I don't think it's exceptionally good at all. I think it's... You would compare it to this one. No, but... Um, That's what I mean. I just this love is a, Luke Besson This stuff is an exceptionally is well-made high... movie, what yeah. we saw today. Taken has its flimsiness. It has its weak points. It's not terrible or anything. I'm not saying that. There's not just two things, bad or fantastic. It's They're not great movies. They're not that memorable. I still disagree. You believe they're great movies? No, Taken is uh, way above a not-so-great movie. Right, it's not a great movie, is what I said. So you're disagreeing with that? Yeah. You think it's a great movie? Yes. Compared to this. This was a great movie today. No, no, compared to this. But this was a great movie, and you're putting that no, in the same category. No, this is a category. superb movie. <laughs> I think you're wrong, of course. But that's my recommendations. Alright, so games and Ace Scully stuff. Not been playing a lot this week. Been playing a little bit. Been playing Tintin. The Adventures of Tintin on um, the Xbox 360. It's pretty much a kid's game. If you like Tintin. Shocker. Uh, it's good. Now, this is this is how I weigh it up. It's a kid's game. There's no challenge to it whatsoever. I can sit and play it. It's really relaxing to play because there's no thought needed or dexterity. You know? Mm-hmm. So, the kind of games I normally play make you so nervous and on edge. Because they're stressful twitch shooters or... But I can't play Call of Duty for two hours and say I'm completely relaxed while playing that online. Because it's it's kind of stressful. Because you're always... Somebody's running up behind you or, you know, it's kind of... Gets you going a bit. This doesn't. It's like a flatline game. It, um, the game's designed for the Kinect, but you can use a controller. And I'm using a controller, not the Kinect. So it... I think that makes it even worse than it's supposed to be because it was kind of made so you wave your arms around. But when you're using a controller, it loses Because you're supposed to be seven years old. Yeah. (laughs) So if you like Tintin, and this is obviously based on the new Steven Spielberg movie, Tintin, um, I think you would like it. But really it's aimed at like seven to ten years old, I would say. I played it all the way through. I'm not um, ashamed to say it. (laughs) So the adult game that I've been playing this week is Sniper V2. Now this is a game which is a shooter game like Call of Duty, but you're a sniper. So that is kind of different to being uh, a soldier. Because a sniper is the kind of guy, you've probably seen movies with snipers in. In fact, we have. Uh, mm-hmm. Jarhead being one of them. Uh, Cross sni- enemy lines. Yeah, behind enemy behind lines. enemy lines. A sniper's uh, job is very different to the soldier who runs out onto the battlefield with a gun. A sniper has to hide. Um, shooter was and another one. And wait. Shooter with a uh, Matt Walder. And wait. Hide, wait. Plan, yeah. hide, and wait. Which doesn't sound very dynamic. Some of them wait so long, they, uh, they have to go to the toilet in their own pants, that kind of thing. You might be there for days just lying underneath a sheet on the ground, waiting for the target, right? So that's the idea of a sniper's life. Insidious. It really is horrible. Um, so that's what they try and convey in this game. That doesn't sound very exciting, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just shooting people anyway. So, you have, to so. Cli- you have to climb up to a vantage point. 
you lie in the vantage point, and then somebody will come who is your target, and then you've got, like, one shot to shoot him, or... How about people who pop into your view who aren't your target and you can't react? Correct. You have okay. to... Or, or, when you get into your vantage point, there might be several soldiers patrolling the area. Now, you either have to sneak past them without them seeing you at all, and just... You've got a few things at your disposal, like you can throw a rock. And when you... Like... You pick a rock up off the floor and say you throw it, they'll go and look where the noise came from so you can distract them. Or you can, like, lay trip mines across a doorway and then throw a rock and when they come to investigate, the trip mines will get them. That kind of thing. So it's a lot of stealth gameplay. Why do men like to kill each other so much? Well, this is about, this is, this is actually a World War Two game. and it actually, I mean, just in general. It's just, just how it goes. So Great explanation. So a lot of this is, um, you know getting past people and then going to a vantage point and killing people. Now, it's set just at the end of World War Two, just before Hitler's kind of gets killed. Just before. Uh, and it involves this sniper V2. It's the V2 rocket. It's like a real thing that was being made. That you're trying to stop the factory that makes this rocket. It's like a nuke-style thing way before its day. Um, it's not very good. All right. It's, Does it deserve much of your time? It's um, it's really ordinary. Like um, the graphics are not not very good. It seems pretty, you know, like bland. The story's kind of good. Now the ultimate thing in this game is there's a mission where you kill Hitler, you snipe Hitler. Now a lot of people probably want to snipe Hitler, right? That sounds like a good. I've never done that in a game, actually killed the Fiora. Like, that's never been a, a thing. And that is a thing in this game. And the mission's called, like, um, something killed the Fiora or something, you know? And that mission is only downloadable content. It's not in right, the game. Right, right. Like, I understand. they probably like, well, people buy this game and then there's a mission called Kill Hitler. They'll want that mission, right? Because that sounds awesome. You, you get to assassinate this horrible... The worst baddie in the history of baddies. You get to assassinate him. Yeah, well, you don't. I don't, I don't think I agree with you because Hitler is dead. So he why is. Why is but, that appealing? But to if you? your character, why is that appealing to you? Well, if your character in this fiction. No, why do you? Why does it appeal to you? Why does it appeal to a man to sit down with a video game to have the in the little fictional power of doing the thing to kill yes, somebody? That's a pretty cool thing. No, I don't mean you that thing. To, I mean, why? Why does that even appeal to you? Well, you normally get to kill just. Like, made-up people, or... Okay, why do you like to kill made-up people? Well, in a story of a game of World War Two, right? Yeah. I like the accurate... You know, like... No, I know that's not accurate, the sniper killed Hitler. Or maybe it is, we don't know, right? I don't think you're... I don't think you know what I'm asking. Why do men like to kill things? <laughs> why is it exciting or oh, interesting? <laughs> that's that what goes I'm far beyond the scope of me talking about <laughs> a game called Sniper V2. Anyway, you're buying this game because it's got the word sniper, and you want to snipe things. If you're thinking you can snipe Hitler because you've seen that in the trailers and stuff, you're going to have to pay extra for that sniping Hitler, so watch out for that. Charming. And secondly, the game's really short. It's like four and a half hours long on normal difficulty, which isn't very long at all. Um, I don't think that's worth 60 bucks. No. I'm afraid. I mean, when it gets reduced to about 30, and if you really like sniper games, I can imagine it would be value to you, but at this point, I can't recommend it. Third game I've been playing this week, and I got it on the PlayStation Vita, and it's not the first time I've played it. It's Plants vs. <laughs> Zombies. And you actually bought Plants vs. Zombies this week as well, didn't you, on the PC? Um, because you'd 
lost your copy and then you wanted a Steam copy, so you bought it on Steam. I got it on the PlayStation Vita. It's just Plants vs. Zombies. It's not a different game. It's the same game. On the Vita, it is kind of different because it's touchscreen controls. They work really well, touching the sun. There's even a mode where you can tilt the Vita to collect the sun, so you don't have to even ah. touch to collect it, which is kind of cool, too. Um, all the mini games are there. There's achievements. It's really addictive. I can't even... Well, yeah. I've played that game three or four times through. I've played like ten times. And now I'm playing it again. And I don't feel like, oh, I've done this before. Because it's always different. Like, sometimes I go, oh, crap, why did I mess up on that level? It was really easy, but they're... Yep. They got in my house. How did that happen? Like, you know, it, it goes different every time. The one that's giving me aggro at the moment, and I've tried it about five times, is the mini-games, the zombie bowling one. Oh, yeah. Um... I get right to the very end where it the says the last ball. wave is coming and the last wave just completely obliterate me. Like, it's like, oh. Now you're making me want to play. So, yeah, Plants vs. Zombies. It's on the Vita. Uh, I got a free code to download it from a friend. It, but it's fourteen ninety nine on the Vita, um, which is $5 more than it is for every other platform. That's taking the piss. Yeah. It should be $10 like it is for everything else. It's still worth fourteen ninety nine, especially if you've never played it. One, I think you get hours and hours, you get fifty hours gameplay out of the thing. Not everybody. Some if you jerky, like it, some jerky guy is going to sit down and be like, well, "I beat it in an hour, hour." I can't see that happening. <laughs> Not if you want to go back and get all the trophies. My invitation of jerky nerd boys who just try to rip on everything. Oh, I beat it in an hour. And there's a lot of trophies. Guzzle, to get. guzzle, Mountain Dew. You know, you had like in the original Plants vs Zombies, there was some Steam achievements. Now you all have the Steam achievements that you can get. There's not that many. It's like ten. On the Vita, it's a full set of trophies, like 50 things, so there's like loads of stuff to do. Some weird stuff, like beat the level without using any pea shooters, or, you know, like... Well, those are the same. Yeah, well, there's a lot more in this one. There's like 50 instead of 10. So, if you're a Pants vs. Zombies mega fan, there's a lot of stuff here that you've probably never done. Like, it makes you play it in a different way, you know? Oh, well, there's, you've probably done it, if you're a mega fan. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, and I, there could be extra content. I don't know. I've not got through to the end yet. We'll see. So, yeah, Plants vs. Zombies, it's on the PlayStation Vita. It's also on the PlayStation PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. Uh, you can get it now. So, Sita, what's for dinner? Tonight we'll be having some stir-fried seitan, which is S-E-I-T-A-N, not S-A-T-A-N, which is just some, it's like wheat gluten made into a, what they call meat substitute, so you can, like, stir-fry it, brown it up, mix it with some vegetables and whatnot. So I'm going to try that. We're going to try that. Uh, the backup plan then will be Subway. We might have two Subway days in a row, if it doesn't work out. But I think it'll be good with some green tomato. We got a one green tomato from the farmer's market. We got some fresh cucumber, fresh lettuce. We have salad, some peas, uh, whatever else I put on there. And then my advice for the day is going to a dark place in life. It's a real life thing. Do not, as a man... I'm not talking to women. I'm specifically targeting men. Boys, men, teenagers, adolescent, old men, young men, middle-aged men, whatever you are. Do not doubt openly or even in your mind if a girl or a young woman or a woman, or your daughter, your wife, your aunt, your grandma, says she has been sexually or violently attacked by anyone ever in her life. Don't doubt her. Don't mock her. Don't roll your eyes at her. Don't downplay it because even if you're wrong you look like an asshole right you look like an asshole because you doubt that someone has had that horrible thing happen to them 
openly to their face or to other people, or you shrug it off like, oh, well, she's crazy, she's making it up, whatever. I'm not saying every single claim is true. Even if it isn't true, you look like an asshole because you you instantly have no heart whatsoever. If you're wrong and she's telling the truth, you are an asshole and you're part of the problem. I like it how it says on your sheet, if you are you are wrong and you are and asshole. <laughs> you are and asshole. Yeah. I mean, just it's a very dark subject. A lot of men like to just blow it off and think, and I know men, I know men. I've known men, I've known men now, who will say, Uh, whatever. Get over it. Eh, she's full of shit. Eh, she's lying. Eh, she's exaggerating. They're assholes. One way or the other. If you don't believe it, then you are part of the problem, or maybe even you've done it yourself and you don't want to admit it to anyone. Because you don't even realize when you were 18 and you kind of forced your girlfriend at the time to do something she didn't really want to do, but you don't think that that's what it was. 20 years later, she does think that's what it was, and that makes you part of that problem. So, I'm just saying. That's my advice for the day. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I will uh, bring things back to life. <laughs> See, you're doing it. You're dismissing the severity of that. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm not dismissing it. I'm saying that's bring a pretty things dark, back to life. pretty dark. Um, yeah, it's no, a real life I'm, thing. I'm not, yes, it's a real life thing. Yes. But I'm going to go on to a jovial subject. Right. So, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> I want to remind you about our websites. Sitzer.com, uh, aschoolie.com. See, you got yours first there. Nice. Twitter.com. Twitter.com and Facebook.com. You can catch us. You can catch us on Xbox Live, YouTube, Zoom Marketplace, RSS feed. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe. You can go on the iTunes Music Store if you've got an iPhone or an iDevice of any kind. I, I something. Or iPad, eyes. iPad, <laughs> iTablet. Do you have any I, eyes of your own to look up anything else? of your? It, look it up somewhere else if I you might. want. You can yeah. use anything with the I in front of it to look it up on the iTunes. Or your EYE. And you can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sitok. She does not care and she hates you. <laughs> I do not hate anybody. Well, that's not true. And um, stay classy, Mr. David Fincher, one of the best filmmakers of all time. Big statement there. And I'm going to say think for yourself. Because if you don't do it, someone will be doing it for you. 